Well, as we get ready for part two of our series on Mary and Martha, are you a Mary or a Martha? That's the big question we've been asking since last week. And if you don't know who Mary and Martha are, they were two sisters who loved Jesus, who believed in Christ. But the difference is Martha was a little stressful. She was complaining all the time. She was angry. She could not really enjoy her life. So Martha really teaches us that you can have a relationship with Jesus and still not experience the fullness of his joy, the fullness of his peace. But Mary, however, would often go through the same circumstances as the sister Martha, but she would respond in a different manner. She had more peace, more joy. She worshipped. And Mary teaches us that you can have a life and where you experience the peace and the joy of God. So this morning, as we go into the second part of our series, Are You a Mary or a Martha? We're going to go to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 now. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, as we go to this word today, the word of God says this. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to the word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. And here's a rule of thumb. If you're in a place in your life where you're telling Jesus what to do, you're in trouble. And Martha comes to Jesus and says, tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Notice what Jesus said. Let me say it again. You are worried and bothered about so many things. Does that sound like you this morning, church? You are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for this word that's about to be received. Father, thank you for preparing me to preach this word this time. Now I ask you, Lord, to prepare our hearts and our ears to receive this message. That it go into our lives as a way of just changing who we are to be more like you. I ask that you would help me to preach this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. You guys ready for an exciting second part of this series? Are you a Mary? Yeah, give God some praise this morning. So good to see you as we get into this word. The title of today's sermon is Busy Isn't Bad. 
Let me say that one more time. Busy isn't bad. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus would correct people in the Bible. And let me be honest, when I see Jesus correcting people, I, I understand why. I understand why Jesus would often tell someone what's wrong with them or what not to do. Let me give you some examples. Jesus would correct Peter when he took out a knife and cut a guy's ear off. How many of you know that's not a good thing? Even as a Christian, you don't cut people. I know there's people in your life you want to cut right now. But, amen, let's, let's pray for Maria. But there are people, you know, and then Peter just takes out a knife and cuts a guy's ear off thinking he's doing the right thing. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 Peter, Peter. First of all, why'd you bring a knife? Second of all, I'm able to protect myself. Third of all, that's not a good thing to do. Man should not live by the sword. And, and even Peter, by Jesus' own admission, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, while he was talking to Peter. So he corrected Peter quite a few times. How many of you know that if Jesus calls you Satan, pretty bad? All right. Some of you say, well, that's who I'm married to right now, so I understand. Or that's my kids right now, Pastor. And Yes, but Jesus corrected a lot of people. Jesus would correct a woman in a well who had five men in her life. She couldn't make up her mind, apparently. She was just going from one tender day to another, just back and forth, going from one guy to another. And Jesus had to stop her there and correct her and said, girl, if you knew that I can give you the type of love you're looking for, if and you can have a, a type of relationship that satisfies you, that you're not going to be going out from different man to man looking for validation because your validation can come from the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus corrected her because she was going from one relationship to another, and even the other relationship, she was not even married to the guy. She was having an affair. And we read, we read that and we say, well, obviously, yeah, that's something Jesus should correct. And even Saul, before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul was on the road to Damascus. He was killing Christians by the thousands. He hated Christians. And Jesus stopped him on the road and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Jesus corrected Paul because obviously he was killing Christians. And we all say, yeah, that's not a good thing. Jesus told the paralyzed man for 38 years, go and sin no more. So th the point is, throughout the New Testament, you're going to see Jesus correct some pretty bad people with pretty bad behavior. But now we read about Martha. And Jesus corrects her. But church, Martha is not a murderer. Martha is not an adulterer. Martha is not what you would call someone who needs to be checked. Someone who needs to be corrected. Someone who Jesus obviously has to stop and say, hey, you need to stop doing this now before it, things get worse. What was it that Jesus had to correct in Martha? Well, Martha was busy. But aren't we all? Amen? She was busy. 
And you see Martha, and she's in the house now with Jesus, and, and she's cleaning, and she's cooking, and preparing everything, and she's high-level stress because she has so much to do. And if that's what you and your life looks like, then you can relate to Martha right now. Because you say, Pastor, I have so many things going on. I got work, I got kids, I got bills, I got chores. I got so many things going on. And everyone looks at this story and we say, oh, wow, bad, Martha, bad. She was busy. That's bad. But let me tell you, to just defend her for a moment, Martha was just doing what was culturally acceptable and common. You see, when you went to someone's house, it was very common for the women to be in the kitchen. It was very common for the women to be doing the cleaning and the cooking and the preparation. And in that culture, men would gather together in the house and they would talk about politics. They would talk about religion. They would debate and just talk. And you never really interrupted the men. You were just there to serve them. What a time. So Martha... It's not doing something that's super wicked. No, she's doing something that's super cultural. She's in the culture. And don't you think today as we look at our lives that we're living in this culture of busy. We're living in a culture where being busy is normal. Being busy is average. Being busy is expected. Being busy is common. Where it's so common for us to be so caught up with such a heavy schedule that we just think nothing of it. We look at people that are working hard or doing good things, important things. You're getting up in the morning. You're getting the kids ready for school. You're getting yourself ready for work. You're driving. You're working eight hours, 10 hours, 16 hours. You're paying the bills, putting food on the table. You're doing all of these things, helping all these other people. You say, well, yeah, pastor, I'm doing a lot of good things in my life. I'm I'm providing for my family. I'm helping others out. I have all these things to do. I have so many things to do. And it's my to-do list. And I got to do this. And I got to do that. And we look at the world of culture and the culture of busy. And it's perfectly acceptable to us. It's acceptable that you don't have time for your children. That's normal. It's acceptable that you don't have time for your spouse. That's common. Hey, it's, it's so easy. Go ahead, have no time for church, no time for God. That's just the world we live in now. And it's a culture that we live in now of busy. In fact, when we think about the word busy, it's common. You ask someone today, hey, how, how are you? What do they tell you? Tired? And why are you tired, Jay? And why are you working, Jay? Because I'm busy. How are you, busy? I tell people, hey, I haven't seen you in church for a while. Oh, Pastor, you know, I've been busy. And after church now, this afternoon, now, my mind right now, Pastor, beyond, I'm not really listening, listening to you because I have so much in my mind because I'm busy. I'm busy. You ever met someone that prides himself in busy? Busy makes you feel important, wanted, valued. 
Well, you know, I've been busy because I have so many things to do. So many people depend on me and I got to do this. What would the world be without me? I mean, I just have so much on my plate. And we see it like a thing that it's good to be busy because busy means you're important. So I got to pencil you in. Look at my calendar. Look, I got to check my phone, my Apple calendar, whatever you call it. We pride ourselves in being busy. Sometimes you're busy because you don't know how to say no. And you tell everyone, yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, count on me. Or maybe you find yourself busy because you want to escape reality. And you fill your life with so much because you don't want to really deal with the real you in your real life. Busy is something that becomes part of our culture like it was for Mary and Martha. But the goal of this sermon is not to make you less busy. It's not even about time management. It's not to make you feel bad for being busy. It's to prove to you that busy is not bad. Busy is not a sin. You know, pastors read this passage and make congregations feel terrible for being busy and, and put you down for having so much on your plate in 24 hours. Like something's wrong with you because you're doing so much. But can we be honest? Jesus was busy. Jesus was not on top of some mountain singing kumbaya and that's it. Jesus was not just walking around with a little flower, a daisy, saying namaste, all calm. Jesus was busy. Let me just put this to a perspective we can understand. Jesus started his ministry at 30 and will have to 33 to complete his task and die for sin and save the world. What is that called? A business deadline. How many of you have some deadlines now? Jesus had deadlines. Literally, what was his deadline? To die. And put a line between sin and salvation. Amen? Give God praise for that. He had a deadline. He was busy. He was so busy, he would travel for work. I have to go to this village. I have to go to that village, read the New Testament. And he went from village to village, from place to place, from region to region. Jesus, if you looked at Jesus, he was that guy holding the suitcase, going to business meetings. That was him. Jesus had other men with him, 12 men. What do you call that? Staff. And he would get together with them. What do you call that? Staff meetings. So Jesus had deadlines. He traveled. He had meetings to attend to. He would meet with politicians. He would meet with government leaders. He would network. He would be busy. He would meet with people and talk to people and have lunch with people. People, Jesus did lunch. He was busy. He had staff meetings with his disciples. People that needed his help. 
If anyone understands busy, it's Jesus. But notice in the New Testament that Jesus was never so busy he could not spend time with his family. He would go back home. He would have dinner. My favorite part of the New Testament, Jesus was not so busy that he would not go fishing with his boys. I got you guys. He would go fishing with them. Jesus was no, he was not so busy that what I love is that Jesus would stop to talk to one person. To sit with one person. To real, to have a real conversation. Not a, hey, how are you? Okay, gotta go, gotta go. No. He would stop. When he was in high demand, he would stop for a blind person. He would stop for a crippled person. He would stop for a harlot. The problem is that we don't know how to stop. And we keep going. Jesus would rest. Jesus would pray. Seclude himself. Redraw to spend time with God. Where is that in your life? Jesus not only understood busy, he understood how important it was to stop, to rest, and be with the Lord. He prioritized God. He prioritized family. He prioritized his health, his rest, himself. Jesus was never caught in a predicament where he said, listen, I got three years, people to see, people to save. We got to go. We got to go. We got to do this. We got to do that. Peter and all the disciples would see an example in Jesus. He was busy. He had a lot of things going on, but she found time to rest. He found time for family. And he found time for God. And if you are a place, in a place in your life where you don't know how to handle busy, the three things that are going to be affected the most in your life is your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, and your relationship with yourself. If you find yourself busy today, I want to tell you, that's okay. But if you find yourself like Martha, where Jesus had to correct her, but Jesus did not correct her about being busy. That's where we get it wrong. When we read the story of Mary and Martha, people say, oh, Jesus had to check her because she was too busy. She was so busy. And, and Jesus had to stop her from being too busy. That is not what the Bible teaches. Look with me in verse 40 through 42. This is what the Bible says. But Martha was what? Distracted. The Bible does not say, but Martha was busy. The Bible says that Martha was distracted with all the preparations that she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part 
which shall not be taken away from her. The Word of God shows us that Jesus corrected her not on being busy, but allowing busy to distract her. The word distract in the Greek that that word was written is the word perespato. That word literally means to be mentally drawn away. It's to be physically somewhere, but your attention and mindset and focus has been drawn away to something else. And that's what a lot of us wrestle with today. You can physically be in church right now listening to this Word of God, but mentally your mind is on lunch. Your mind is on laundry. Your mind is on work tomorrow. Your mind is saying, hurry up, pastor. I want to catch some more fish. I want to go golfing. I want to go to the beach. I got to go to this birthday party. And your mind is elsewhere. Could it be today you're at the right place, but your mind is gone? She was physically there with Jesus, but her mind was not. Her thoughts was everything else but Christ. And when Jesus corrects her, he doesn't say, girl, you got too much going on. He says, Martha, you are distracted. You are perispato. Your mind is not here. But Jesus is literally telling her, you have allowed busy to distract you, to pull you away, to draw you away and lose focus, to lose sight. And that is how a lot of us live our lives. Physically, you can be in church. Physically, you can be with your family at the dinner table. But your mind gets drawn away. Have you ever been with a person that's physically there, present with you, but their mind's not? They're not listening to you. They're concerned about other things. That might be you. Make a note of this. Jesus did not correct her for being busy. And the Lord will not correct you for being busy either. The Lord will check you if you're busy to the point that it is pulling you away from what really matters in life. Here's the sad part in verse 38. The Bible says, now as they were traveling, that's Jesus traveling, busy, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him to her home. Here's what's what's interesting and sad at the same time. Who invited Jesus to the house? Martha did. It was her idea. When I read that, I never caught that, but I realized that. That's us. 
That's you. That's probably me. There was a point in your life that I hope you came to a point where you saw Jesus and you invited him into your life. You invited Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You made that invitation. You accepted that calling and you invited Jesus into your life, your heart and surrendered. And Jesus, and she, he accepted the invitation, went to her home. But who's the one that's miserable? Who's the one that's angry? Who's the one that's worried? Who's the one that's anxious? Who's the one that's bitter? Who's the one that's stressed? Martha, the one who invited him. What if you are Martha right now? You invited Jesus into your life. And Jesus accepted and said, I will go into your life. I will be your Lord. I will be your Savior. And Jesus is there. He's in your heart, but you're miserable. Does that make sense? Jesus is in your life, but you're stressed and angry all the time. And you're high level bitter. It makes no sense. But many people invite Jesus into their life and don't enjoy a relationship with Him. Many people invite Jesus to be their Lord and spend no time with Him. Something's off. If you made that invitation maybe years ago or a year ago or months ago to invite Jesus into your life and be repentive of your sins and you've asked Him to be the Lord of your life, But you're miserable, distracted, got all this drama going on, all this strife. Can I tell you right now, can I be so real, so real that it might get me fired? No, I'm kidding. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, But you're angry all the time, complaining all the time, critical, fault-finding. Something ain't right with you. And the problem is not Jesus. Something's not right. Now, two things could be the problem. Number one, You've never truly invited Jesus into your life. And you are lost and on your way to hell. Or maybe you have invited Jesus into your life. But you are so distracted that it's made you miserable. That's the sad part. She invited Jesus and could not enjoy it. When you're a person that's so busy and distracted because of this, notice that it wasn't just Martha suffering with Jesus. Because being distracted will not only affect your relationship with Jesus and cause your relationship with Jesus to suffer. It will cause a relationship with your family to suffer. 
Because that was a time for Martha to enjoy being with her sister and with Jesus and with her brother Lazarus and everyone else that was in that house. But she had brought in strife. She brought in drama. She's that one relative during Noche Buena that ruins it. You guys know who I'm talking about? If you don't, it's because you're the one that ruins it. Everything around her was affected by her distraction. And if you don't fix distraction, it's going to affect your family. It's going to affect your relationship with God. And it's going to affect your relationship with yourself. Let me point out where Martha went wrong and why we're so much like her. I want you to pretend with me now that this golf ball is yellow. It's Jesus. And this is you. And Jesus was invited. One day you recognized that you were a sinner. You accepted that call to be saved and forgiven. And you invited Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. And there he is. You guys see Jesus? Jesus is inside, right? All right. This is how a lot of us start off. Excited, joyful. But all of these ping pong balls here represent busy. So as I'm filling up, I want you to shout out. The only time I'm going to let you distract me from the circle. All the busy things you have in your life every time I pour. You ready? First thing, maybe, come on, start saying it. Keep going, keep going. Shopping, friends. Oh, okay. All right, go. What else? Fishing. No. Get behind me, Satan. Let's keep going. Job. What else? Sleeping. All right. Go ahead. Keep going. Traffic. Kids. What else? Kayaking. Okay. <laughs> you got all these things filling up your life. Now, church, let me ask you a question. Is Jesus in the jar? No doubt. Where is he? You've lost sight of him. That's you. I would ask you right now, hey, you're a Christian? Yes. You have Jesus? Yes. You know if you're going to die and... Will you be in the presence of the Lord in heaven? Absolutely. Great. He's in your life. But you've allowed so many busies to drown you that you've been distracted and you've lost sight of him. Your focus is gone. You're no longer spending time in his word. Prayer, seeking Him. This is what Jesus was telling Martha. You are distracted. I'm in your house, 
You've invited me. I'm here. You love me. We have a relationship, Martha. You are born again. You are saved. You are on your way to heaven when you die. But Martha, you are distracted. You have lost sight of what matters most. You're not paying attention to me. You've lost sight of me. You're so caught up in all the other things that even though you're saved and you have Jesus, You've lost sight of him. Well, pastor, obviously, yes, I've lost sight because I got my job. And I'm so demanding, that job. And I got to work because I got kids and I got to feed them. And I got bills. And I got projects. I got to cut the grass. I got to paint the wall. I got to clean the closet. I got to do the laundry. I got to do this. I got to do that. I have projects. I have family. I need money. What about our phones? Three and a half hours a day on average in America on a phone? When I was growing up, you got lucky if you got 10 seconds with your long cord in the room. Yeah, yeah, I love you too, baby. Three and a half hours on the phone, three and a, almost four hours watching TV on average. Some of you are so distracted, you're on your phone while you're watching TV. Can I get a witness? Then you wonder, I wonder why I'm so stressed. I wonder why I'm so angry. I wonder why I don't enjoy my relationship with God. Why is it that I go to church and I don't feel anything? Why is it? And Jesus says it's because this is what you look like. You have filled your life with busy, and busy is not bad until you lose sight of it. Well, Pastor, I just don't have time. Liar. Stop saying that. The problem is not that you don't have time. The problem is you're not willing to make time. Let's get real. You're not willing to make time. You think I like getting up at 4.30 in the morning? I don't. But I do because I know that from 4.30 to 8 o'clock, no one's going to bother me. And that is my time with the Lord. And I make it my time. You make time for the things that matter. I make time for golf. Because it matters. I make time to fit. I don't know how busy I am. I'm throwing a line in a puddle if I have to. Because I make time for it. Some of you make time for the gym. You make time for your show. You make time for your shopping. You make time. Why? Because it matters to you. And why don't you make time for Jesus? Get honest with yourself. Because He doesn't really matter that much to me lately. You make time for the Word of God. You make time for church. You make time for Bible study. You make time. It's not that you don't have time. It's you don't make time. The real question to ask today is not do you have Jesus? Because He's there. Yeah, I have Jesus. The real question to ask today, church, 
is, does Jesus have you? Or do things have you? Do hobbies have you? Does your work have you? Do your kids have you? Does your spouse have you? Does your family have you? Does your television program have you? Does social media, Insta garbage, and Facebook have you? Does it have you? Here's the truth. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because he knows that if you're busy enough, you'll be distracted. And if you're distracted enough, you're going to lose sight of Jesus. And if you lose sight of Jesus, you will never be the man or the woman he's called you to be. You'll never be a threat to the Satan's kingdom. You'll never be a threat to the demonic realm. You'll never be a threat to him if you, he knows you've lost sight of Jesus. So what does he have to do? Just make you busy to the point that you're distracted. Because when you're distracted, you're not going to focus on the kingdom of God. You're going to focus on the temporary garbage of this world. And then you wonder why Christians don't grow. Why Christians don't change. Why pastors get the blame. It's because this is our life with Jesus. We're just concerned with having Him and being saved. But while I'm saved on this earth, Lord, everything else is going to be first, not you. That's Martha. What did Jesus tell her? Verse 41 and 42. The Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, did you notice how many times he counted? Two. Martha, Martha, twice. And here's why some people think he called her twice. Because she was so distracted, she didn't, she didn't hear her the first time. That's not true. You guys want to learn some cool facts? In the Bible, every time God would call someone's wife by name, it's because he was about to change their life. Something amazing was about to happen. And the reason that Jesus would call someone twice by name is to grab their attention. Now, literally, pay attention. Let me give you some example. He called Abraham twice. He said, Abraham, Abraham, stop. Don't slay your son. And the minute that he said, stop, Abraham was blessed. Jacob, he called him twice. Jacob, Jacob. And the minute he did that, the Lord changed his name and blessed him. Samuel, he bled, he called him twice that night when he was sleeping. Samuel, Samuel. And when God called him twice, Samuel became the priest of Israel. He called Moses twice. Moses, Moses. And when Moses paid attention, he became the leader of Israel. When God called Saul, Saul twice, he paid attention and became Paul and the leader of the church and wrote a third of the New Testament. Every time someone's life was about to change, people, 
God will call them twice so they will pay attention. And here's what God is saying. If you want me to bless you and change your life, you better start paying more attention to me. God doesn't need your attention. God is not there saying, please listen, please listen, please, what about me? Spend time with me. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. God is saying, if you want me to bless your life, pay attention. And the devil knows you can't pay attention if you're distracted. Mary was in the same house, focus and attention on Jesus. But Martha had all of these things covering her that kept her from paying attention. Martha was a type A personality. Type A people are the ones that are doers. You get up in the morning with a to-do list. Who, who am I preaching to? You get up in the morning, you're like, I gotta do this, gotta do that. You have everything centered, you do this, okay, I gotta do this. I got so much to do. You have it on a list. Type A personalities are hard workers. They're ambitious. They get things done. And they're like, we gotta do this, we gotta work, and they have everything in order. But type A people are also impatient. Type A people also want things done their way. And if you don't do it their way, they're going to tell you it's wrong. Type A people not only have no patience, they're very critical. They're perfectionists. Everything has to be done at a certain way, at a certain time, by a certain height, a certain measure. This is the way to do it. You know what's interesting about type A people like Martha? They get angry with type B people like Mary. Mary's more laid back. Mary knows the things that have to be done, but she's the type of person that wakes up in the morning, not with a to-do list. She wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'll enjoy the sunrise today. I, I think I'll go for a walk. I think I'm just going to sit here and enjoy the day. Oh, I know I got dishes to do, but it can wait. I know I have to be have laundry to do, but guess what? It'll be dirty in the next few hours. I'll get to it. But right now, I just want to enjoy my life. I want to enjoy my day. I want to be with my kids. I want to be with my spouse. I, right now, I don't have so much to do, but I want to go to church. I want to worship. I just want to take the time. Type A and B are not right or wrong. But here's the problem. The type A person is going to get mad at the type B person because they want the type B person to be more like them. But here's why the type B person doesn't want to be like the type A, because the type A person is uptight and miserable. Who are you? When I got married, I'm two years married now this Tuesday. It's crazy, you know, two years. Some of you are like, what a rookie. Rookie. I get it. Two years, nothing. But listen, when I got married to Jerrica, I was totally type B. She was type A. A for angry. A for, no, I'm kidding. She was type A. 
Jericho gets up, has a to-do list. She will text me things to do. I'm like, what is this, woman? She knew everything that had to be worn, cleaned, dried, cooked. She just, everything was done. Everything was, and I was type B. It can wait. I'm going to go golfing. It can wait. I'm going to go for a walk. It can wait. I want to enjoy this preaching. It can wait. And I would just enjoy my life. And now that she's pregnant, I'm type A. And she's type B. She doesn't care about anything now. She's so tired and drained from this baby literally sucking the life out of her. That she did something this week she'd never done. She left dishes in the sink overnight. And I looked at them and I said, and she was upstairs sleeping. And now I'm type A. I'm like, no, 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 no. This has to be done. This is against the rules. Remember, dishwasher's broken. This is against the rules. And now I'm vacuuming and cooking and doing everything. And I'm mad at her. Because I look at her like, she doesn't care. But that's what happens when type A and type B get married. Have a friendship? Our family? They fight. And Martha goes to Jesus. And in the context, I think this is how it went. Martha rushes over and says, Jesus is coming. I invited him. This is so amazing. Quick, prepare the pork. No, they're Jewish. They don't eat pork. That's us. Okay, prepare dinner. Prepare the chicken. Get this clean. Like we gotta do laundry. We gotta vacuum. We gotta have everything right because Jesus is coming. And Mary's like, oh, you invited him. The most annoying people, in my opinion, you might agree, are those that make the plans and stick you with the work. Anyone? All right, let's have a birthday party. Let's celebrate Papi's birthday. He's 50. Great. Oh, yeah. Can you get the pateles? Can you get the this? Let's all do this, do this, do that. And I'll see you there. And you're like, wait a minute. This is your idea. And I think that's what happens. And Mary's just enjoying her relationship with Jesus. And Martha's cleaning like you look at her. Happy, peaceful with Jesus. And she goes to Mary, Mary, can, can you help me? And she said, no, it can wait. Jesus is here and he's telling us about the time he raised our brother from the dead. And I want to hear more of his side of the story. And she gets so mad that she runs to Jesus. Jesus! Yes? Interrupts the, the, the whole vibe. Everyone's peaceful, having fun, listening to Jesus. And there she goes, miserable Martha. Jesus, will you tell her to help me and do something? Don't you even care? Oh, and Martha sits back, watch, Jesus is going to give it to her. Tell her, Jesus. Preach to Jesus. Tell her she's wrong. And he turns to Martha and says, Martha, Martha. 
She's not wrong. You are. You're worried and bothered about so many things. And notice what she says to him. You're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is necessary. That's the second thing he says. Necessary. The word necessary literally translates the word something that you need. A need. He's not saying what you're doing, Martha, is not important or valued. He's saying right now that's not a necessity. It's not a need. You know what is a need in your life? Jesus. And time with Him. And prayer. And fasting. And worshiping. And gathering with other believers in the church. You know what? That's necessary, Mark. The truth is, many of us live like this because Jesus is not really necessary. A need. It's just a luxury. Something convenient in your life. And if, God forbid, it happens, I've seen it a lot in my own life, if you tell someone, I need time with the Lord, I need to get up and pray in the morning, I need to spend time in His Word, people turn around and say, no, 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 no. That's religion. That's being extreme. That's being radical. That's, ay, que fanatical. What a fanatic. When someone says, I need to go to church. Ah, religion. You need the Word of God. You need to be on your knees praying. You need to set a time to be with the Lord. You need Him. If I would tell you right now, I mean, you need to breathe, don't you? Is that fanatic? You need water to live, don't you? Is that radical? You need to eat, don't you? Is that extreme? You need to work, don't you? Well, yeah, I need to do those things because it's necessary. Why isn't Jesus necessary in your life? Church every other week is not necessary. It's just necessary. Prayer when I can is necessary. Time with the Lord and His Word if I can is necessary. You have to be in a place where the Lord is the greatest need in your life. Can I get an amen to And he says, Mary has chosen. Mary has chosen. Bear with me. Mary has chosen. Which shall not be taken away from you. See, Martha is like all of the distractions trying to take her away from the Lord. She she sees Mary worshiping. She sees Jesus. She's sitting by Jesus, listening to his words. 
And she goes up to distract her and says, hey, hey, kitchen, we got to clean. We got to cook. You got to do this. You're going to do that. And maybe that's you today. You're saying, Pastor, it feels like every time I try to spend time with the Lord, and I know it's important, it's that these voices are saying, hey, I need you. Come on, let's go. You got to do this. You got to do that. And Jesus says, Martha, Mary has chosen. You are who you are because of the choices you've made. I never forced you, Martha, to be in the kitchen cooking and cleaning. I never forced you to make all these preparations. It was a choice. And right now, if the Lord is out of sight and all the other things are in mind, but God, that is a choice that you've made. It's a choice. And if choices have distracted you from Jesus, then choices will get you back to Him. And you need to make better choices. You need to choose to say, it's Saturday night. Let's get up. Let's go to bed earlier. So because tomorrow we're going to set that alarm and go to church. And let me be real. Not only go to church, but be here on time. Be here on time. Why? Because tomorrow you're going to work on time, aren't you? You're like, Lord willing. Listen. You're going to set that alarm. You're going to rush. You're going to speed. Why? Because it's necessary. Why is it Jesus? It's a choice. It's a choice. Let me give you an example. We'll close with this. This is you. This is Jesus. You've invited him. But life is lost, amen? Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't have bills, chores, people that need you, mouths to feed, things to do. Remember, busy isn't bad. Distraction. So all these things come into your life. Work. Kids, homework, deadlines. And then all of a sudden you notice, man, I'm losing sight of Jesus. I've been distracted. All I gotta do is stop. Here's a crazy part. Okay, I gotta reprioritize this. I still got all these things to do, and now I put Jesus back on top. Okay, good. But then life happens again. And all these things and people, and then you notice again, you lose losing sight of Jesus. You stop. Say, man, I haven't spent time in His Word. I haven't prayed. I feel anxious all the time. I'm angry. I'm irritable. You know, let me be honest. When I don't spend time in the Word, I get angry. I get more irritable. I get more emotional. I know myself when I haven't been with the Lord. Do you know you when you haven't been with the Lord? As I got to stop. And guess what? Reprioritize. Okay, this could wait. And then you get same things, work, everything. And now Jesus is back on top. And then you get even busier. Oh man, I lost sight again. Stop. Reprioritize. Okay, let me get back. Let me spend some time this morning in the Word. Let me read the book of Proverbs. Let me go to bed reading the book of Psalms. Let me shut off the TV. Let me shut off the phone. Let me escape somewhere quietly. Put Jesus back on top. Church, are you still busy? 
yes. And is Jesus on top of it? It's not impossible to be busy and still put God first in your life. That's what it is. It's all a matter of priority. Matthew 6, 33-34, the Bible says to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all other things will be added on to you. Seek first His kingdom. It's a choice you make. You've got to make choices to put God first. You might have to say no to some people. You might have to cut back on some things. You might have to wake up earlier. But you need to prioritize His Word like Mary did. She was at Jesus' feet, the Bible says, listening to His Word. Is the Word a priority in your life? If it's only on Wednesdays or Sundays that you get the Word of God because of this church, this is not you right now. Jesus is out of sight. Make choices. Can I help you this morning? If you're Martha right now, it's not impossible to reprioritize your life where you're at the Word of God. See, can you show me your hand this morning? If you've read 200 books in one year, not a surprise, no one. Okay. Don't worry, not even me. I'm not going to say, oh, it's a pastor hat. Yeah, I'm bragging. No, I haven't. But let me put this to mind. If you wanted to write to read 200 books in one year, let's just say you did. How much more different would you be? How different would your con your conversations be? Your attitude, everything. Because you've read 200 books a year. You would know history. You would know theology. You would know politics. You would know so much because you sit and read 200 books a year. You say, Pastor, that's impossible. Why? Well, because the average book has 50,000 words. 200 books, that means 210 million words. 210 million words, that would take 515 hours to do. How many of you have 515 hours to read 200 books a year? Anyone? Here's the truth. You do, you just don't know. Why? 515 hours, that's it, to read 200 books a year. But the average American today watches 1,600 hours of television a year. Where is that in comparison to 515 hours? The average American spent 600 hours on social media. 800 hours on just the phone. And you're here thinking, I, I don't have 50, 515 hours. That's crazy. That's impossible. It's not. You don't realize you have the time. Because you can spend hours on TV watching garbage. Hours on social media doing nothing. Hours on your phone. And if you wanted to read 200 books a year, 
It only means that you would have to spend 30% less on social media, 85% less on your phone. It means you just have to do things less to do something more. And here's the sad part. How many of you can honestly, honestly, let's get real, can say you've read the Bible cover to cover? One person. You've been a Christian how long? Seven years. How long do you think it takes to read the Bible in one year? Give me a number. Go ahead. I like Thomas. A lot, he says. A lot. No. 200 hours? If you're reading it in the original language, maybe. How long? Give me a number. Oh, I love this. Let me slap you with Jesus. Twelve minutes a day. Twelve minutes a day. You will read the Bible cover to cover in one minute. How do you know it? Listen. I have read the Bible cover to cover for over 13 years, a year. And I can tell you firsthand, it only takes you 12 minutes. And if you've gone to public school, maybe 15 minutes. If I <laughs> just can't, whatever. But don't say, oh, I, I can't do that. Can you spare 12 minutes of your day? In the word of God. Martha teaches us that busy is not the problem. It's priority. And my prayer today is not to make you feel terrible as a Christian. To tell you that you're too busy, you got to slow down. You may not have the luxury of slowing down. Jesus understands that. But the goal of this message is to help you understand that you have the time to experience the Lord like you've never had. You have the time to be on your knees in prayer and see God work miracles. You have the time to sit for 12 minutes and let this book come to life because I promise you there are things in this book that will change your day. If you would just dedicate the time to be in the Word, to be in prayer, and to be in church, to really be in church, to say this is my church, this is where I tithe, this is where I serve, this is where I worship, my real family, my real friends are in this ministry. This is my priority. My priority is Christ. And my family knows it. And my children see it. But some of you tonight, today, you're going to say, Pastor, right now you got to hurry. The dolphins are playing, bro. And tomorrow you're going to rush to work and say, I have no time. 
And then you're going to be tired from work and sit down on the couch and binge watch whatever I hope. I don't even know what you're watching. And you're going to sit in your toilet and be driving. What if you would say, I'm going to get up 15 minutes earlier to spend 12 minutes with my Lord. And then when the year is over, you're going to say, that was fast. And I read the Bible in one year. This all stands for us, please. Are you a Mary or a Martha? Only you and God know. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If the Lord spoke to you this morning, would you lift your hands right now? God bless you all across the room. You put your hand down. What did the Lord say to you? The Lord did not tell you this morning you're too busy. Because busy isn't bad. But he might have said to you this morning you're too distracted. You got work, you got kids, you got bills, you got chores, you got responsibilities, you got 24 hours, you don't even know how to manage it. But I'm telling you right now, there, you spend half the day doing things that will not edify God or the kingdom. But I pray today that you will reprioritize the Lord in your life, because it is a choice. And God says it will not be taken away from you. If it has been taken away from you, it's only because of your choice. What are the things in your life you've got to do less of to do more of? Is it less TV to do more praying? Less social media to read more? Is it less partying on Saturday night so you can come to church earlier on Sunday morning? What is it? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word. Busy is not the problem. Distraction. And there are all these things pulling us away. Father, I pray you would forgive us when you're not first of utmost importance and priority. Forgive us when it's a job, a career, money, a degree that becomes the center of our lives. And church, if you want to know what's most important and first in your life, just answer this question. What do you spend the most time thinking? There it is. Jesus, I pray you give us the strength and the wisdom to put you first in our business to wake up earlier and pray. I pray someone here today will wake up earlier tomorrow to pray for me. I pray that someone will go to bed a little later and shut off the TV to pray with his wife. To spend 12 minutes in your word. I pray someone will go away somewhere by themselves during their lunch hour to eat alone just to talk to you. 
Father, I pray that someone, as they're going to work, would shut off the radio and put on worship. Would plug in a sermon. Would spend time in your word. And Father, I pray you would break us with conviction to choose you first. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today. I hope you guys were blessed today.